Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Now here's Pastor On. It's so good to see the church growing every week. So good to see people coming and realizing that we all need God in our lives. We all need the Lord. We all need church in our lives. Yesterday, we had our membership class, our class called Grow Track that allows people who God is bringing here, new people, to get enjoined with what's happening here, to get enjoined in becoming the church and not just being a spectator. And we had 32 I mean, 22 people in class yesterday. You can put their picture up. Come on, let's thank the Lord for them. I encourage you, if you're here at the church, to move forward in your faith. Move forward in the calling that God has for your life. Your life has greater, a greater plan upon it than you even understand. And it starts with the Lord and in his house. And so sign up for Grow Track. We do it once a month. But it was a great, great, great day yesterday. So excited for all those people that joined us. Well, today we're going to be starting a mini sermon or mini series called The Best Way to Live Life. The Best Way to Live Life. Pull out a notebook. If you don't have a notebook, you know, grab a notebook. I encourage you to take notes at church. I know it might be weird, but it's amazing how much you learn when you write things down. But we're going to look at what the Bible teaches concerning life itself. The keys to living the abundant life. The life that Jesus promises us in John 10.10. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. When Jesus is talking about abundant life, he's talking about the best life that you can possibly live on this earth. A life filled with a sense of peace and security, joy and strength, hope and faith, where your inner man, your inner spirit, has an anointing of power and strength that comes from God himself that the world does not have. And Jesus doesn't say that abundant life is only experienced when things are good in your life. What's different about a believer is that we can have abundant life, peace, strength, joy, hope, even in trials, even in tribulation, even when it seems like everything's falling apart. There's a sense of security in us. It's the abundant life that God himself, through Christ, gives us. Come on, this is a loud church. Amen to the word of God that we can have this. You know, we read the Bible. The early church, society would call Christians unique or peculiar. These people are weird. They're peculiar. And the reason was, as the governments that existed 
persecuted and martyred Christians for their faith and assembled them and grabbed them out of their homes and pulled their families, moms, dads, and kids and brought them into the coliseums and places of sport and literally killed them and martyred them and, and even allowed wild animals to come and pull them apart limb by limb. In the presence of such cruelty, they would lift their hands and begin to worship. And they, they say that in the streets, they would hear singing in the Colosseums, and it was the Christians worshiping as they were being slaughtered. And there's accounts that, the, that the, the glory of God, the smile of God would be upon their face as they're being tortured. They would say, these are a peculiar people because the kingdom of Christ was inside of them. No matter what they went through, they, they had a hope, they had a security. They had the Holy Spirit with them. The Lord was with them. There are people right now in third world nations, in situations, in prison, for their faith, or just in, in, in dire situations because of the poverty that have the kingdom of God inside of them and have the abundant life that Christ has promised them and the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and the security of God. And they might not have much food or much stuff, but they have abundant life within them. Even now, in Ukraine and Russia, in the midst of, of tyranny and, and everything that's happening, there's churches still gathering, worshiping, praising God, shouting to God, praying on the streets in faith and power because they have what Jesus promised us, abundant life, abundant life. The Apostle Paul said, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. This is coming from a man who was imprisoned who was beaten, who was tortured, who was shipwrecked. Because he had abundant life within him that Jesus had given him. I was reading a story of a, about a man in, in California. His name is Joshua Maieli. And at age four, he put his picture up. At age four, one of the neighbors who had mental illness came and tossed sulfuric acid all over this little boy's face. And he was immediately blind and scarred. And this is him today. He put the picture up. But let me tell you about this man who is married and has two children. He has a degree in physics. He's a PhD. He worked for NASA. He's president of the board of directors for the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. He plays bass in a band, blind. And he's an associate scientist for an eye research institute. He creates tools 
to help blind people navigate through life. If you let him, God would tur- will turn every tragedy into triumph. Every tragedy into triumph. Because Jesus promised abundant life. But we're going to talk over the next few weeks about apprehending this abundant life. God gives us keys to living the abundant life that Jesus promised. Abundant life is conditional. It's conditional on how you answer a question that Jesus' younger brother, James, who wrote the book of James, asked us. It's a consequential question that affects your entirety of existence in this world. James asked in James 4.14, what is life? What is life? He asked you this question personally. What is life to you? What is your perspective? What is life? What do you really believe? What is life? Write this down. How you view life will affect how you live life. How you view life will affect how you live life. And how you live life will determine the quality and outcome of your life. Jesus makes a promise to us. I will give you abundant life. Not only have I come to set you free from bondage and and from the, the gods of this age and from the power of darkness that rules this world, that the Bible says deceives the whole world, not just some people. The God of this age, the devil, deceives the whole world. Jesus comes and he says, I've come to set you free from that and give you abundant life. But abundant life is released through faith and a God perspective. It's released through faith and a God perspective. What is life to you? What is life? That's the question that's presented to us. Some people think life is an accident. It just happenstance. I'm just here because I'm a product of evolution. Millions of years ago, I was really an amoeba. And here I am now. Incredible creation, amazing design, a brain that can think, a brain that's more powerful than any supercomputer. And I even have a conscience that came from this amoeba millions of years ago. Some people think they're a mistake. They're just a byproduct of a passionate night between two people, careless night. The devil will come to people and say to them in the first person, I should have never been born. My life 
is worthless. I should have never been born. No one cares for me. So what ends up happening, because they answer this question by James in this way that I'm just an accident, life is an accident, they live frivolously. There's no real purpose to life. There's no hopes. There's no dreams. God is not involved. There is no God. So their perspective ends up being molded and shaped by a virtual false reality. Fake book becomes their perspective. They're competing in this fake reality of people trying to create something that they're not. And they live with this perspective that doesn't matter. I'm an accident. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And he's good at it. Like I said, the Bible says he deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world. People say, can everybody be wrong? What you hear on TV, what you learn in school, what culture is trying to shove down your throat. Can all this noise be wrong? Yes, absolutely. The Bible even says that the road that leads to heaven is narrow, is narrow. Few people get on it. The devil is a loudmouth, a boaster, a deceiver. He controls the airwaves, the Bible says. But Jesus comes and he says, over here, you will have abundant life. I come to give you abundant life. Come on, let's thank the Lord that he came to give us abundant life. Some people think that this life is all there is. I remember when I was a kid, driving with one of my uncles, and um, we're going by a church, and all of a sudden, he starts making the sign of the cross, like continuously. I think he was doing penance or something, you know, for you Catholics out there. And, uh, and he kept doing it. It's like, not just once. And then he says to me, and I'll never forget this, I was young and impressionable, and he says to me, with an Italian accent, when you die, you go on the ground, and that's it. As I grew older, I was thinking about it, saying, so if that's it, why was he making the Santa Cross so many times? What was that all about? Was that like some security just in case? But some people think that's it. So they end up living with no boundaries. There's nothing after this. No boundaries. No concern of consequences. Because there is no God. There is no heaven or hell. And what ends up happening is because this is it. And this is it. It isn't that good. They end up becoming bitter and angry. Because this is it, this is it, isn't working. They become bitter, angry, always looking back, unthankful, always looking at what they don't have. 
Because you bet if you don't have it, you're never going to get it. This is it. So that's how they answer the question that James asked, what is life? And then some people think that life is just a giant party, you know? Grab all you can. It's like the videos that you see on TV of the looting that's happening in the inner city. Just go grab all you can. Get out of my way. I'm going to get everything I can. The more stuff, the better. I had lunch with our church accountant the other day, and he was telling me of some of his clients, and he's been in the business a long time. They have a lot of big clients. And he was saying, it's amazing. He says, I have some clients I've been with for years. They are so rich. They have so much money. And yet, it's never enough. They work till 90-something, and their life's a mess. Families are broken. No more friends. It's all about the money. The money, the money, the money, the money. And he says they're so miserable, yet they can't stop. It's all about this world. See, again, how you view life will affect how you live life. And how you live life will determine the quality and destiny of your life. So we're going to be looking over the next few weeks at what the Bible says about life. What's God's perspective about life? And I want to give you three things today. The Bible teaches us. This is how God sees life. Number one, life is a gift. Life is a gift. You are a gift. You are a gift. You might not think you're a gift, but God sees you as a gift. When I look at the church, I thank God for every person and say, the church, which is you, were a gift to my life. I would not be here. I don't even know if I'd be alive if it wasn't for you, the church. I certainly wouldn't be married to my wife. Wouldn't have the kids I have if it wasn't for you. Don't ever let the devil tell you otherwise. You are a gift. God's perspective is you are a gift. Young people, your parents are a gift. I know they can be a pain in the neck. But your parents are a gift. Parents, your children are a gift. Bible says in Psalm 137.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now I know people think sometimes, well, my parents did not treat me like I was a gift. But God's perspective, even if the gift holder does not value you. God values you. God always values you. God always values you. 
You are his gift to the earth. You are his gift to someone. They might not value you, but God values you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. See, there's people right now that are sitting in a prison cell. God values them. He loves them. He understands their hurts. His heart is for them. He wants them redeemed. He wants them saved. He wants them set free. And he'll do everything he can to reach that person. There are people on the streets shooting up. God loves them. He values them. He hurts for them. He understands what they went through to put them in this position. He remembers designing them, forming them, thinking about them. He remembers thoughts that he had for them, plans for them, a future that he has. God still values them. Maybe you made some big mistakes here in the room. If you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you made some big mistakes. And the devil comes and condemns you. He condemns you. He condemns you. He paints a picture of you and he paints a picture of God that is untrue. God came to redeem you from yourself. He loves you so much because he formed you. He had a plan for you. He designed you. He's got hopes for you. He's got a reason for you. And then he says, I have to show this person how much I love them. When the devil comes and points to your flaws and contempt, the Lord says, I have to show this person how much I love them, who they are, that they're a gift. And he sends his only son to die for you, to prove to you, to show you how much he loves you. God values every person, every person. You are a gift. And you're never a re-gift. And you're never a Christmas fruitcake. But let me tell you something. I remember this older lady used to come to our church, and every Christmas she would bring me a fruitcake. I don't know what she spiked it with, but man, that was the best fruitcake ever. And I used to say, why are these people... Not like fruitcake. This fruitcake's fantastic. Everyone always makes fun of fruitcakes. This lady makes a mean fruitcake. But you're not a fruitcake. You know, even as husbands and wives, we have to remember that husbands, your wife is a gift to you. Wives, your husband is a gift to you. See, if you need healing and deliverance from the lies of the devil, it starts with you forgiving. Forgiveness is so powerful. We carry so many hurts 
We carry anger and confusion and disappointment and burdens. And a lot of it stems from the hurts and unforgiving. And I pray today, the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit did something supernatural today to release us from hurts, to release us from things that might have happened, disappointments. And as we forgive and release others, we are free. We're set free. And abundant life comes in. Abundant life has to press its way through a lot of stuff. But it can never break through on forgiveness. Because Jesus says, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. And so we need to forgive. We need to be a forgiving people. Number two, life is a trust. See, God entrusts you with a plan. Because in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, we have to live life with God's perspective. God already has plans for you. They're good. They're good plans. He has a hope and a future for you. He loves you intimately. He has a divine purpose and calling for you. So he gives you life. He births you into the world with these plans. Now life becomes a trust. He's entrusting you to do what is right with your life. So you need to ask God in every situation. Good and bad. God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what's up your sleeve? What are you working on? Are you working on my character? God, what are you working on? Are you working on my trust? What are you trying to teach me, Lord? What do you want me to do? Because I know that you are entrusting me with my life. So help me to fulfill the plan that you have in my life. See, God is always, 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 always trying to bring you into abundant life. That's who he is. Jesus came to do that. That's his purpose, to set you free, give you freedom, and to bring you into abundant life. And let me say this. Jesus is the only one who can do it. He's the only one that has abundant life. See, the world thinks and they're searching for abundant life. And so there's all these little gods that are saying, come to me. I have life for you. I have life for you. Come to me. I will give you what you're looking for. And all these little puny gods. Jesus is the only one who came to give you abundant life. He's the only one who's able to give you abundant life. False gods, they come and they topple and they always fail. Always. How's your 401k doing? How's the stock market doing right now? How's the world doing? It changes overnight. Who are you going to put your trust in? What are you going to put your trust in? See, never make decisions in life around false gods. Little false gods that the world says, this is what life's about. Jesus says, I am the only one that can give you abundant life. 
Come on. Never make decisions around money. Follow the money. Never make decisions around pleasure. Pleasure will take you right to hell. Pleasure will get you cheating on your wife. Pleasure will make you do things that are outside of your character. Never make decisions around pleasure, around security, if I can just set myself up. The Lord says, how do you even know you got tomorrow? Completely contrary to everything we learn. Never make decisions competing with the world. Fake book. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first. And I will give everything unto you. And what's so awesome about trusting God is you have a certainty in knowing that no matter what I go through in life, God never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's still on his throne. Nothing gets by him. And he has good plans for me. So whatever happens, I know if I stay with him, it's within the, the scheme of his plan. Even when the devil tells you otherwise. And then number third, thirdly, I'm going to ask the music minister to come up. Life is a test. See, life will test your faith, your character. Life has a way of testing what you really believe. Not what you say you believe. Not what you appear to believe, even if you're in church, you know. Life has a way, when the rubber hits the road, what do you really believe? I remember, I didn't say this at the first service, this is coming into my spirit, that when my son, I've told this story many times, but when my son was having seizures, and he literally would, would almost die in my arms, convulsing, turning blue. And, uh, and I remember having to deal with the possibility that my son would die. And the fear, because it was many times that he had seizures. And I remember having to deal with what do I really believe? What do I really believe? And I remember crying to God and saying, God, why is this happening? You know, we love you. We're serving you. We're ministering the church. Why is this happening to us? And I remember having to deal with that. And the Holy Spirit said, Ron, who, who's is he anyway? Is he yours or God's. And I had to deal with that. What do I really believe? And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I know you're good. 
I know you're good. And I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with my kids. And I know whatever happens in life, I will not deny that you are good. You are love. And you have a greater plan than what I think the plan should be. And that was tremendously freeing. Tremendously freeing. But life will test you. Job is is a book that God's given us in the Bible. You know, read the life of Job. Poor guy. Lost everything. Talk about testing. Lost his family. Lost his wealth. Didn't have good friends. Condemning him. Saying he's cursed. God's cursing him. And he passed the test. He passed the test. God put that book in the Bible to show us that no matter what, God is still in control. He knows what's going on. Trust him. Pass the test. And you know what I like about the Lord? You guys remember in school, the best tests were open book tests. Right? The Lord gives you an open book test. You can find the answers in his book, the open book tests. See, the book says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. So hurt comes to test you. Will you forgive? The book says, give and it'll be given to you. So the Lord comes and says, honor me with your tithe. It's a test. The book says, seek first the kingdom of God, put God first in everything, and everything else, leave up to me, it'll work, work out. So priorities now, your priorities become a test. And I say, let's pass the test, because we want abundant life. We want the abundant life that Christ gives us. You can't get anywhere else from anyone else from anything else but Jesus who gives us abundant life. So James 1, 2, and 4, I'll end it with the scripture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know, you know, we know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.